We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're talking round one through four early best ball ADP on Roto-Viz Radio. Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We are two of the owners here at Rotoviz. Just thrilled to be broadcasting live in video, recording the audio. I painted the uh, office slash studio over the weekend, redid oh, the shelving. Did. Yeah, you see that? So I'm pretty pumped I, to be I here. See- I see it. The wall's black now. Well, it looks it's inkwell, which is a dark blue. <laughs> oh god. Okay. Right. My my wife okay. had wanted to redo my shelving so that it wasn't so cluttered. So this is kind of what we came up with. I'm feeling good about this. We have an FFPC mm. stat attack. It looks like you have some bourbon in the glass, Curtis. How are we doing? Doing great, man. Uh thank thanks for holding it down. Uh last Thursday or Friday, whenever our our third pod was last week. I actually got snowed in at the hospital. Wow. So, so code, code gray procedure when we have severe weather, um, you know, the patients are still in the hospital. Right. Yep. So, uh, I, I actually had to set up like a makeshift hotel, uh, so that <laughs> up to 70, up to 70 of our staffers could stay in the hotel so they wouldn't miss shifts. So it's actually really fun operational exercise. It was a, a, a bit crazy, but, um, appreciate your understanding and, and holding it down, still giving the listeners something to, uh, uh, pontificate on over the weekend, but it's going to be great to get into the topics tonight. I do, I do want to uh, give the head nod to the bourbon tonight. I've actually got a bourbonade. Haven't done that since the summer. Oh, wow. But wanted a little citrus kick in there. Uh, so I just got the Buffalo Trace and a little bit of Simply Lemonade going tonight. Nice, nice. All right. Well, Curtis, um, as I said, we will have an FFPC stat attack in a little bit. But what I wanted to talk about was some Early best ball ADP, you mentioned what we were getting things set up here that you've already been on about 20 such early best ball drafts. You know, obviously a lot of things will settle out with ADP, but I do think it's a worthwhile exercise to kind of explore some of the rounds right now. We're going to kind of do it in a way where we look at a group of three players and we decide which one doesn't belong. Typical type of game that I like to do on the show. But uh, are you ready for that, sir? Yeah, man, I, I'm more dialed in than I've ever been in February. I'm very ready for this conversation tonight. 
All right. So the first players are a group that tends to actually be going in the first three picks, and that is Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup, and Christian McCaffrey. So we need to find the one that doesn't belong. Uh, you and I have talked now on a number of shows about how we are just not as sure about Christian McCaffrey heading into 2022 as we would like to be. We are huge Cooper Cup fans. It's impossible to understate what Jonathan Taylor did last year. Uh, but Cooper Cup, man, equally impressive. You go into the player stat explorer, you're going to see that he was number one in targets, number one in receptions, one in receiving yards, mm -hmm. one in total touchdowns, six in air yards, three in whopper, nine in racer, one in PPR per game, one in expected points per game, and two in fantasy points over expectation per game. Cooper Cup, if you look at his graph of wide receiver one finishes, it is absurd, not in only that it's all green, but that there are just so many of these point totals beyond 25 yeah. points. If you look at his last two seasons, has been a wide receiver one in 53% of games. I don't think we need to really say much more on this one. I think you have the first two picks. I am going to be looking at these guys as opposed to Christian McCaffrey. I think the real question becomes, are there players that you would move ahead of CMC? But I'm going to let you take the floor here. Uh, do you think that's crazy? Are we on the same page here? Well, it, it just comes down to relative value. Um, and then also safety. You know, that it's very it's very hard to win. You know, it's kind of a, an often used um, saying, it's hard to win your draft in the first round, but you can. it's so easy to lose it. Um, sometimes that's within your control and sometimes it's not. I mean, the injuries we can't control, but we can steer away from the positions that are traditionally most associated, most often associated with season ending injuries, which is clearly the running backs in round one. Um, but at the same time, what is that drop off? You know, Cooper Cup's historic 2021 is going to be very difficult to repeat. He had regression, positive regression from a touchdown uh, rate perspective, which we predicted. That's why we were on him so heavily um, this year. He had the the, uh, the initial uptick in, in production and efficiency due to having better quarterback play with Matthew Stafford. We had the Robert Woods injury, um, Tyler Higby with spotty health, um, running back injuries, all kinds of um, pieces in the Rams offense. There was instability, but Cooper Cup was the stable force. You know, when I look at 2022, um, if Odell Beckham Jr. is back and if Bobby Woods is still around in a healthier version, um, automatically there's more mouths to feed there. Now, Cooper Cup could have a 25% reduction in in his uh, PPR output and still probably, you know, would have been either the wide receiver one or close to it. Um, so the drop off could be really precipitous and it would still make sense to take him at the top of round one just because he's a low risk pick. But um, you know, who are the other receivers that could take that type of step forward? Where, where are the other offenses that we could speculate, um, for this type of leap, not necessarily a 400 point leap, like what we saw, but are, are there players that are, that are poised to take that next jump? Um, and you have to look at rounds two, three, and four, which we're doing today to understand, you know, those values. So, um, I, I think it's hard to argue against Jonathan Taylor as the one one you you do that understanding the risk that you're taking. I don't have a problem taking CMC over Cooper Cup either. 
um, just because he saw he showed us even in his limited work in 2021 um, that he's still capable of the the same type of role and the role would still have similar value. They're trying to retool the offense more again, you know, shuffling up the the offensive coordinator situation. They're going to have a new quarterback. The Panthers situation should improve like the Rams did last year. Um, so there, and, and there's another player that I want to talk. We'll talk about uh, later this week, I'm sure. Um, one of my big exposures in the fourth round so far this year on the Panthers offense that I think makes a lot of sense to uh, to invest in. But uh, Taylor and Cup uh, and CMC, we're aligned uh, in, in terms of the first three picks. I, I think we're aligned that Jonathan Taylor is the 101. The, the one the one two the one three in FFPC formats, it should be Cup and CMC in whichever order you prefer. However, I would also note. Um, you know, the underdog early best ball drafts also very popular. It's a half PPR format. And, you know, you're seeing Derrick Henry in that same area. Um, and, you know, because the, the touchdowns just carry that extra weight. And, and of course he, he was on a historic run the first half of the year this year. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's hard to poke holes at the top of the draft. These guys are up there for a reason. Yeah. And I, I mean, I can understand honestly, arguments that anybody would make for any of these players to some extent when you start looking in concentrated groups like this, you're kind of splitting hairs. Um, I think you made some some good notes there about McCaffrey and how things might change in Carolina. Mm-hmm. So though um, this exercise might have landed on talking down about CMC, let's keep in mind that we're still saying, you know, he's in the conversation with some of these players. But let's move along here to some players that you're seeing go at the end of round two, it's an interesting group. Um, yeah. AJ Brown, Stefan Diggs, and Darren Waller. So we got two wide receivers. You have Waller in at the tight end position, very popular option last year for a lot of teams. Suffered an injury down the stretch, caused him some to, to miss some time. Um, I guess the first question that I'm gonna ask here though, um, is Diggs. How did you feel about Diggs season? Because I know that you could kind of look at it as it being a bit of a drop-off from the year before where he absolutely dominated. But I think people might be surprised to see when you actually look at where he finished across a variety of wide receiver metrics, they might be more impressive than you think. He was fifth in targets, eighth in expected points per game, 10th in PPR per game, was actually number two in air yards in six in touchdowns. So from my perspective, I think it was a better year than people might be realizing, which, you know, for a player like Diggs with a track record we've seen where he finished last year playing that young offense that we felt good about with Josh Allen, uh, you know, that might be a pretty attractive spot to get him. Um, But before we talk about Brown and Waller, let's just recap your thoughts on what Diggs did in 2021. Well, I think as we lean into talking about digs, this is a good spot for FFPC stat attack. And I, I pulled this um, from the Rotoviz screener, a uh, great place to do research. We spent a lot of time in here, uh, January through April, understanding what happened a year before. Uh, and there's a lot of N plus one um, kind of predictive tools in there as well yep. um, that, that we can use to make good decisions in the upcoming year. So only three players, Dave. Only three players posted 1,100 receiving yards or more in each of the past three seasons. Travis Kelsey, which let's just pause there. That's How insane. cool is it that a tight end <laughs> is one of these players? Love it. Um, Stephon Diggs yep. um, on two different teams. Wow. Uh, and then DJ Moore. Um, so th- I think a lot of people would have gotten Kelsey, but maybe wouldn't have gotten Diggs and Moore. Um, so that speaks to Diggs' consistency. And again, early in drafts, we don't want to lose. 
Um, and you still want to have that upside. Now, I think as people think about 2021 for Diggs, you know, yes, if you look at it as positional finishes, okay, you drafted him as a wide receiver one. He finished as a wide receiver one. He had a top six, you know, uh, a top six target rate and, you know, his expected points per game. He was a healthy wide receiver one. But on a per game basis, he was almost four PPR points worse year over year. And mm-hmm. that's what people are really feeling. So relative to other receivers, he still performed well, but he just wasn't winning weeks the way that he did um, the year before. And part of that is the, you know, continued, um, breakout of, of Dawson Knox. Uh, part of it is other players, uh, stepping up, you know, we, we saw, um, Gabriel Davis, Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley at various parts of the season, um, making impacts, uh, you know, Devin Singletary being involved, Josh Allen, you know, running the ball. So, you know, Diggs is sensitive from a touchdown scoring perspective. Um, his expected points, you know, per game, there wasn't as much of a difference as his actual output. Um, it's really the efficiency. It's the efficiency and that, and that's where it's at. And efficiency can be noisy year to year. Um, you know, it, it just takes those touchdowns to totally turn it around. 2020, he was wide receiver seven in fantasy points over expectation in 2021. He was wide receiver 197, 197. So, you know, that, that is where all of it comes from. The role is still valuable. You know, he regressed, uh, to the negative 2021, 2021. I mean, the most likely thing he's probably going to regress back to the you know positive somewhere in between in 2022. And I think that makes him a good value where you have to be careful versus these other players that you've, you've earmarked here um, with AJ Brown and Darren Waller. Um, I think they are um, both the most solid bets to lead their teams in receiving touchdowns. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, Diggs is not, I, I would say that Dawson, most people probably feel Dawson Knox is the, is the odds on favorite. Um, and especially in the FFPC perspective, you know, FF or uh, tight end premium perspective, you have to weigh that with Darren Waller. You have to weigh that with Josh McDaniels coming in and installing a new um, offense. Um, and then AJ Brown, we saw what he could do even without healthy Julio, without healthy Derrick Henry. You know, he really is that horse. Um, he's more mid-career, still waiting for that big breakout season like we've already seen from Diggs. Um, I, I would prefer the safety of um, Diggs's role here uh, in FFPC where it's full PPR, but on underdog, um, I actually would lean to AJ Brown over Diggs uh, because of the tight end piece. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, that that's kind of how I see this one. And then, yeah, well, I'll pause there. What, how do you order these players, Dave? Well, I think for me, it really is coming down between viewing Brown and Diggs as a little bit separate from Waller. And the thing that I want to talk about with Waller here for a minute is, yes, a lot of good numbers for Waller. He was fifth in um, PPR per game, third in expected points last year among tight ends. Even missing time was still seven in overall targets. But one thing that I find a little troubling, Curtis, is for a player that you're taking in the second round at the tight end position, there needs to be a lot of separation between them and other players. If you look through his game log last year, um, there was only a couple of games where he really distanced, him, distanced himself from mm-hmm. other tight end ones. Came out of the gates firing, put up almost 27 points against Baltimore. Uh, other than that, though, 15 points against the Chargers, 16 points against the Giants, 19 against Cincinnati. Other games, you know, he was down in that range where you would expect um, a tight end one to score. So if I'm using a second round pick, I'm not sure that I'm getting that delta between him 
and the opportunity cost of going away from a player that could score more points at a different yeah. position. So to me, um, I'm going to say that Waller's actually kind of the odd man out. Um, and yes, McDaniels is going in there, but I think it's, and he probably is the most likely to score the most touchdowns to draw the most targets, but I don't think we're going to see this turnaround where, uh, you can project getting enough of a distance between him and, and, um, you know, I, there's a lot of other tight ends I would rather have. Well, I shouldn't say a lot, but there's other tight ends in that zone. I would ever, I would rather have. Yeah, I think, uh, well, I think that's fair. Um, I think. You know, Pitts is probably uh, going to end up settling, uh, you know, half a round, uh, maybe even to a full round above Waller and tight end premium. Um, I can tell you within a half, the half PPR, which obviously is a totally different tight end scoring dynamic and interpositional value. Uh, you have to wait a lot differently when you're just going straight half PPR and not and not giving tight ends the bonus. Um, but Pitts versus Kittle versus Waller does have a little bit of a different feel on underdog than it has on FFPC, both, um, against each other and then both, um, as well against other positions. And I will say, I mean, when I'm pulling up Waller in our NFL stat explorer, um, and let me share this, uh, I'll try to see if I can share this on the fly Uh, for those following along. It's going to take a second. I'll, I'll, I'll get there. Here we go. Um, you know, you look at our NFL stat explorer, uh, I'm going back to 2019, you know, so Waller EP per game, uh, positionally, uh, tight end seven, uh, third and targets, second receptions, you go to 29 or 2020 here, uh, tight end two in EP uh, per game, uh, first and targets you go to 2021. You know, of course it was a shortened season for him, just 11 games this past year, but he's still EP, you know, tight end three in EP per game. And so the role has been very, very um, solid year over year over year with him being um, Carr's trusted target. And it's just, you know, I I think it would be interesting had he been healthy this entire year, had the team not had to kind of uh, pivot on the fly from, you know, Henry Ruggs being an important piece of the offense to finding, you know, who are those other wide receivers that can contribute. It was a weird season. It's just a weird season. And so there's context behind it that I can kind of live with. Um, so I wouldn't fault anyone for uh, taking Waller. I will say that I've been taking him um, when he falls past this group because he does yeah. it enough that you can still end up with your exposure. So I, he's probably not worthing, uh, worth planting a flag on there uh, to your points. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, and I think that's a good way of framing it, right? Especially in the context of the conversation we're having. I probably should have mentioned that doesn't mean that these are guys that you're avoiding. It's simply talking about, you know, at that spot in the draft, who we would rather have. And in the confines of portfolio, the players we'd rather have the most exposure to. And I also think that you do make a good point because it is possible if we got to see Waller play the full complement of games, maybe we would have had more of those boom weeks and I'd be looking at him in a slightly different lens. But unless you have anything else to say there, let's move along. No, let's go to round three. All right. This is an interesting group of players, man. I think this is the most interesting. Sandwiched in what I would call the late middle of uh, round three, you have Keenan Allen, yeah. J.K. Dobbins, and Jalen Waddell. So an aging receiver at this point, a running back that had some success early on, missed a full season, and then a uh, rookie wide receiver that I have just been gushing over. Um, this one, I think, is really hard to tease out. That To the point, I almost want to make a case that maybe Waddle shouldn't even be in there and he should be up higher, but I don't think I'm going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because that's a tough one to sell. So um, it, it looks though like you already might have some thoughts on this, so I'm going to let you take the floor. Well, yeah, just, um, I, I, don't like, I just don't like Dobbins in this group. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't like Dobbins in the group. We're, we're talking about, um, we're talking about a situation where even if he comes back fully healthy, Lamar Jackson is still there. The offense is not changing and Gus Edwards could be back or the team, you know, could, could invest in another. I, I think the scary part for me is listening to, um, Ravens camp, um, in January talking about, Hey, we expect these guys the, the quote was something like, we expect these guys to be able to contribute. They're talking about Edwards and Dobbins both at some point in 2022, but we're also evaluating how to strengthen the room. I mean, I, I don't know if they would take an actual, a day two running back, uh, but I could see an early day three, you got to supplement. You got, you got to, I mean, if you're playing the odds, maybe one of these guys doesn't come back and look like he did before their injury. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and again, even if they're full strength, it's just, it's the same thing as the Buffalo situation. Like you're, you're just, that, that the quarterback just it makes it noisy, man, and and there's not enough receiving work or a reason to believe in a change uh, in the receiving opportunity for these running backs. It just feels really risky. I mean, especially at this early point in the season, I would so much rather wait two to three rounds and roll the dice on a rookie, um, even though I don't know the situation that they're uh, uh, rolling to. I love the idea of of Keenan Allen or Jalen Waddle here. And then wait till round five and take Brees Hall or wait yep. until round six or seven and take Isaiah Spiller or Kenneth Walker. I mean, the, I would much rather bet on that. Um, and one of them landing in a situation where, you know, they, they can get into or Rashad Penny in round eight, round nine. I mean, there's just, you know, uh, not to derail there, but um, and, then, and then if we look at these two receivers. Okay, so let's let's throw Dobbins out and let's say he doesn't make any sense. Yeah, well, Keenan, Keenan Allen, I mean. He's been remarkably consistent five straight 
wide receiver one finishes and, and season long uh, counting stats. Um, and then the team is going to be probably moving on from Mike Williams and, and getting another player involved in the offense. What will that look like? How will, what will that ramp up look like? Um, I, I think Keenan Allen could be better in 2022 than he was in 2021. And he was the wide receiver nine with 257 PPR. Uh, sixth, sixth in EP per game at the wide receiver position. So I, I really, I think he's a huge value pick uh, at the end of the third, very safe pick. Um, and then, and then Waddle, you know, uh, new, new offensive uh, regime coming in uh, with uh, Mike McDaniel from the 49ers coming over uh, an offense that could now, now that we know who the guy's going to be, uh, this is the run game designer uh, for the, the 49ers. And for Kyle Shanahan for, you know, the last several years of his career, I think the Dolphins offense is undergoing a transition. And we, we like Waddle for dynasty. We, we like him even for redraft, man. I, I, I feel like you're, you're kind of pricing in the upside to take Waddle over Allen. But I do think this is a fair spot to take Waddle. That's, that's yeah. how I would break this down. Yeah. I mean, I, Unsurprisingly, we're pretty much, uh, you know, in lock on that take there. I don't need to talk about Waddle anymore. Everybody knows I have loved Waddle. I still do. I think the reasons that you are dismissing Dobbins from that group hold, I do not want to be taking a running back in that type of situation this early on in the draft. And I think the other thing is for as good as Dobbins could be, this is just the type of situation where. I really feel like the upside, even in a smash season for him, does not get to where it needs to be for me to go running back this early for on. Sure. Right. For sure. So that's a, that's the huge thing that immediately took him out of out of the you know running for me there. The other thing that I'll say is Keenan Allen, ton of sustained success. The other thing is yeah. he's been in the league a long time now, still only twenty nine. Right, does turn thirty in April, but I think that with the way that his game functions. There's no reason that we need to start having concerns about him, you know, losing a step and being phased out, especially with the way that things are going to run in that offense with Justin Herbert, Uh, you know, Mike Williams likely departing, as you said, unless, of course, the team does this year what it should have done last year, which was make Jared Cook a priority. (laughs) All right. Uh, And with that, let's go to late round four, early round five. Okay. All right. So this group of players uh, is, is it's another fun one. Um, you know, as you start getting further in, there's definitely um more of a variance between where you'll see these players going in terms of ADP in some drafts. But we have Travis Etienne, Terry McLaurin, and Amari Cooper. Etienne, uh, still yet to play in the NFL. So we don't really know what that's going to look like. So many questions in Jacksonville's offense. Then Amari Cooper, I want to just talk about here quickly. Um, Some of the numbers for him coming off of this past season, we see Cooper um, with just three wide receiver one games. In fact, Curtis, only four games with over 15 points, 32 among wide receivers and targets, 30 in receptions, 30 in receiving yards, 16 in total touchdowns, just 33 in expected points per game, um, 51 in fantasy points over expectation per game. Actually only finished as the wide receiver 30 in PPR scoring. Now, you still have a group of young, talented players to compete with in Dallas 
Uh, you still have Dak there. I don't think that the situation really changes that much. So, you know, I'm not really in love with any of the options here. I almost might end up going with Lauren by default. Um, but I'm, I don't have any, um, strong feelings about this. So as I'm working through this, why don't you take the floor for a minute? I'll see if it can push me in one direction. Okay. Well, I kind of want to go off the board here and say that I just think there's better options that might have an ADP about a half round later. Okay. Um, so, but, but breaking that down a little bit, you know, to, to, I think, ETN is an irresponsible pick in this range. Um, <laughs> it is. Yeah. So, so James Robinson's still there. Um, uh, it's a midfoot injury. I, I, I'm out, man. I, th- this is too expensive. Like um, ETN should be, he should be around nine round 10 pick right now. Like he should be, his ADP should be below the top one to three rookie running backs. That's where his ADP belongs. Um, I, yeah, I just can't draft at your own risk in this range. I, I'll have zero until his ADP corrects, um, which will happen after the rookies have draft capital assigned and landing spots. Those guys will get pushed up the board. And, it's, you know, I think ETN's going to go undergo the journey, kind of like the Chase Edmonds ADP journey from last year, where everyone was super enthused and he was round four early in the year. And then he ended up in round eight or nine where he belonged by the end of the draft season. So, uh, you know, but, but then with these receivers, so there are, there are ways that you can see that they each win. Um, you can see uh, McLaurin getting an upgrade at quarterback. Uh, that wouldn't take much. Um, but if the team does draft a rookie and that rookie doesn't look great um, or isn't ready right away, then, you know, are we just getting more Taylor Heineke? We saw what that looked like this year. McLaurin literally only had like three usable weeks. McLaurin murdered your team this year. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, and, and that has nothing to do with his ability. He was still making highlight plays that they just could not get him the ball. Um, and his urine stats aren't even that bad. It's just, they all came during certain blow up weeks. And again, he tanked your team. Um, you are counting on borderline wide receiver one return from him. And you were starting him with confidence every week and just whiffing. Um, and you know, Cooper wasn't much better. Um, Cowboys offense just really weird this year, but again, there's a non-zero chance that Cooper moves on. So there might there might be different ways that you know. I, I think Cooper is a less risky pick than McLaurin because you would expect him his situation in Dallas to improve if he stays because Michael Gallup is almost certainly gone. I was about to yeah, I was about to say yeah. I forgot to mention that and yeah. So so Gallup is almost certainly gone, or Cooper goes to another team that doesn't have another receiver as good as CD Lamb. Um, and actually, the other thing too is uh, Dalton Schultz. It will be yes. likely gone. Of course, Blake Jarwin yeah. will still be there. Yeah. But, you know, taking away one yeah. piece of that equation and potentially alongside with Gallup, I think those are good points. Yeah. So we could see we could see a pretty easy path to, to Cooper going back to pre-2021 production in Dallas. So I, I think he's a better pick than McLaurin. Of the three that you outlined, I would take him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's other guys in this range that also make some sense. Uh, if you want to take your first, uh, a different running back, uh, in this range, potentially, you know, Elijah Mitchell falls to this range. Josh Jacobs is in this range. Ezekiel Elliott is in this range. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying that the, uh, those guys are ones that I want to be overexposed on, but I think they're they're probably better picks than ETN, all things considered, especially if you started uh, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver in rounds one through three or rounds one through four. Um, so if you want to wait until after that four or five turn in particular, you know, Michael Pittman, 
um, was more consistent than either of the receivers that that you outlined previously uh, could be really set up for a year three uh, leap um, into that that next stratosphere of finishing as a wide receiver two this year. But uh, unlike the other guys, he actually sprinkled in some wide receiver two weeks and even some of his wide receiver three weeks. You know, he's still scoring 13, 14, 15 uh, PPR. And so I think his his role you know, maybe has a higher floor than either of those guys had. Uh, but also still has maybe some ceiling that hasn't been achieved. And then I like, you know, playing Elijah Moore as a year two breakout candidate in this range as well. He's going in that area. So um, there's just other options that are probably more exciting. You know, the Amari versus McLaurin debate, it feels like one we're going to end up having with Sean and Blair <laughs> when we do our, yep. uh, our high stakes drafts this year. Like these, these feel like players that uh, at least if we were doing those drafts right now, uh, without all the extra information we'll have by the summer that that would you know be fades to to those guys and 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 uh in favor of the younger receivers. <laughs> yeah, that definitely does feel like the type of debate that we'll be having soon. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I mean I think that normally I try to hold us within the question asked. This time I am going to let us go away and say that you know perhaps we might be looking elsewhere. The case you make for Cooper does make sense. Um but yeah, not really too jazzed up about any of them. Maybe that could change as we get mm-hmm. some more information. We watch things happen, um, you know, in free agency and the draft. Yep. I'll tell you what I've been doing. Uh, what I've been what I've been doing um, is is you just take Brees Hall followed by like Marquise Brown um, or Darnell Mooney or Brandon Cooks or OBJ even there, uh, and just be a half round early on guys because you like those situations so much better. Like you don't need to be. A, com- a complete uh, limbing to ADP, you know, af- after, you know, you get past the first two rounds or so of the draft. Right. So real quick, because we're coming up on the, the amount of time that I want these episodes to be this time of year, but we actually have not talked about rookies really or the incoming class at all. Can you give just like a one minute description of Brees Hall? Because there might be some people like, you know, questioning why you're tossing out Brees Hall here. Oh yeah, sure. So I I think Brees Hall is the odds on favorite to be the RB one off the board. Uh, he's probably not going to get drafted on day one, but he should be drafted on early day two. Um, you know, he's, he's got requisite size, uh, size. He's very productive at Iowa state. This is the same program. David Montgomery came from, um, very, very productive, you know, talking like a 20 touchdown, uh, guy, you know, 1500, 1800 yards from scrimmage. Um, so, you know, Running back production and running back touches at the college level tend to be get running back touches and running back production at the NFL level. Um, you can also see uh, some some other metrics that we like to scout running backs in our Rotoviz Fantasy Football Rookie Draft Guide. Dave uh, always writes up our our breakaway rush score uh, stuff for the guide, and, and Blair also has some some running back um, detail that that he offers in there. And then beyond him, you know, a couple guys just to keep your eyes on that probably get that day two draft capital and roles yep. that um, should be as good or better than you would figure for Dobbins and ETN. Two guys who we're talking about that we didn't like at ADP today. Uh, Isaiah Spiller, uh, he's out of Texas A&M, uh, 215 pounder, uh, very uh, well-rounded skill set. Uh, and then also Kenneth Walker, uh, late bloomer at Michigan State. Uh, but had an incredible workload uh, here in 2021 um, late, late riser in the process, but also, you know, figures to get at minimum round three draft capital. So th- those three guys are really the three that I think warrant, you know, single digit round consideration. And I think all three of them are, are picks better spent than the two guys we broke down tonight. 100% perfect note to leave the show on. We will see you back uh, tomorrow. 
Thank you for listening to the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.